Independence has never been easy. Nearly 250 years ago, it was something worth fighting for. The idea of a people who stood on equal footing, free to speak, free to wander, free to live. These were ideals worth risking everything for. Today, we find ourselves fighting old battles, not with past foes, but with ourselves. We are a nation divided, divided by skin, divided by opinion, divided by hate. It seems the very freedoms we once fought for have become stumbling blocks. Are we too busy seeking ourselves to even recognize the tragedy which surrounds us? Do we no longer see the profound need for the hand of God? In this moment, the truth of scripture rings especially true. If we, the people, will humbly pray, turn from wickedness and seek his face, then he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he will heal this land. Today, may we remember this one simple truth. True independence is found only in our dependence on God. Is that not a more profound and true statement? We look at the world around us and we see such chaoticness. I can't even stand to watch the news anymore. I can't even stand to watch the hate that I see on Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever. I'd rather much be more connected with our Heavenly Father than I ever have before. And something that the Lord spoke to me guys know last week I want a real relationship and that's why I, I talked about last week the fact that relationship when you break it up it's got lation in the middle see lation is a term that I never even heard of before until the Lord spoke it into my heart and I was like God this is such a mighty word that we need to hear today because lation means a cosmic force in motion and if it's going to be in the middle of a relationship, that means that, constant, uh, that cosmic force that's in motion is the God that needs to be in part in all of our lives. It's the source of who we are. It's the source that will drive us. It's the source that will develop who we are to be even mightier than we ever have. It's the source for the true, real relationship. But I kind of find it interesting that such our society is today they take the lation out and want to be a reship, is what I said last week. They just want to walk around, look floating around, saying, I can get through this life, and as long as I got my cell, I'll go in a direction I want to go, and they'll end up in a place and a part, in a part but it doesn't get them in the proper direction. World, this world is struggling because they want to find purpose. This world is struggling because they are losing hope. 
I've watched it over and over again through the years. I can remember after 9-11, I watched this country come together. I can remember how many men I saw inside of the recruitment office as we were saying, I don't want to deal with anything. I'd rather sign up and fight for my country because I want to keep it free. There was something in me that was a cosmic force that was getting me to go in and say, I want to protect those who I love. A relationship that was more important to me than anything else. I didn't realize, though, at the time that I was still missing a part of who I was, and that was truly God Almighty taking over and taking my heart. But that's where the world's at. You look at the schools. There's no God. You look at all the different political parties, and it seems like they're trying to quiet out God all the time, too, trying to put their own spin on things. You look at the public square and all you see is filth and, and horribleness. They say that Sodom and Gomorrah was bad, but I'm starting to wonder if this is worse. But where I'm at and where we're at is a place where we have to do something within us. We have to do what I've heard a comedian say is check your heart. And it's the realest term. It's the simplest term. Check your heart. But we have to find our purpose in the relation that's in the middle of all of our relationships. Because it has the power not only to change the relationship with God, but it also has the ability to change your marriage, your friendships, and your casual encounters that you've had all over the place. Which could be at Walmart, Target, Sam's Club. Lord knows, sometimes I need help at Sam's Club. I went to Sam's Club last, yesterday and... Sister Jeanette Perkins was there, went there yesterday. She says, it's a madhouse. I need to check my heart in that place. I said, yes, we got to check our heart. And I got to check my heart sometimes, too, because you know how I have that phrase that says, can't fix stupid. I say it all the time, and then now I'm catching my kids are saying, can't fix stupid. And I'm like, Lord, do I need to check my heart with how often I say that? But we have to check our heart because it changes and, and transforms who we are. See, one thing I've seen over the years is I've seen walking around the street because I love to study people. I love to watch people. I love to watch their interactions. I love to, to do it. One time I got stuck inside of a Seattle airport. More than once. We'll just go ahead and leave it there because the way I fly with Delta, I always get stuck in Seattle. Talk about flight issues. <sighs> but I walk around and I study people. I watch people. I, I observe people. You can always tell when somebody's having a bad day because of the way they're interacting with the person next to them and all these things. And you can always tell when the person's over here going, I got Jesus, and then they're like, and I'm like, do you really? But what I've noticed is, I've, I've noticed a lot of people in this world love to say that they have Jesus. I've watched a lot of people get up into the, uh, the public sphere and say, I love Jesus, and I have Jesus in my life, and I have to go, okay, that's awesome. But I'll watch to see how you interact. Kind of like when Kanye West came out and started doing his stuff. I said, I have to examine him and, and see what he's doing because I know what his past material was. And then I've seen his heart transform a little bit, even though he keeps going back and forth a little bit. I'm not bashing Kanye West. I pray that he gets saved just like everybody else in this world does. I've watched people say, I love Jesus. See, having Jesus and loving Jesus are two different things. To have Jesus means that you, 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 he, he might be your homeboy. But to love Jesus, there's a little deeper relationship within it. 
It's a struggle that people have. And when I watch people say, I love Jesus, and then two seconds later, I'm watching them go over there and just cuss up and down their, their kid over there in the corner. And I'm like, do you really love Jesus? See, I watch people, I observe people. We do the same thing. I'm sure you all do the same thing. What about when people say, oh, I'm a good person. I love that phrase, don't you? Oh, I'm a good person. I've done good things. It's going to get me good places. Yeah. You're about right. I think you're the most honest person that I've seen. You've done good things. Or better yet, I'm just good. Those are the things that I've noticed people say the most. I never hear anybody say, oh, I'm bad. Not unless I'm really going around. I, I tell my wife, man, honey, I don't know why you marry me. I'm so bad. And she knows I'm joking with her. I'm just kind of playing with her, waiting for her to say, oh, but I love you nonetheless. 14 years of marriage, I still love to do it to her, and she still hates it every time. Man, you guys are a hard sell this morning. I think you truly need to check your heart. But what I'm saying is, people are always going to be who they think they are, but they still are lost in so many ways. The problem I've seen is so many people have walked into the church and they've expected sudden changes that allowed for an instant change to, to, that never fruition and then they fade out. I've seen so many people come in and tell me they love Jesus. They're on fire for Jesus for two seconds. And then they all of a sudden are like, okay, I lost my coal. It's, it's, it's getting water on me. I, I can't do it. And, and then I watch them walk away from the church, and I, I see them walk back into the world, and it's, it tears my heart out. Better yet, I've watched so many people that are in the church. They go into marriages, and they're like, okay, I'm going to go into this marriage. It's going to be perfect. And the second a hiccup happens... The marriage is dissolved and they're done and they're over with and they're not holding to their vows. They don't understand the impact of what a real relationship is. See, I can remember I told my wife when the, uh, when the moments I told her I do, I, I, I told her before we got married, I said, honey, there is no D word in our marriage. I said, divorce is never going to be an option. The only D word that's going to come and separate us is called death. And you better get used to it. So if you've got a knife, you're good that way. But if not, I'm still here with you. She's going to kill me later. <laughs> but I understand not everybody in this church is married this morning. And I understand that not everybody's got the perfect idea of what it is. So I wanted to relate it this way. You ever been on a first date? Have you ever been on a first date? Brother Bill's going, yes. And I think you almost regret it sometimes, don't you? See, first dates are great, but one thing I've learned is first dates are usually the worst dates of them all. They might be magical, but you don't really meet the person. They get up there, they get their make the girls get their makeup on, they're like this, and they're like, okay, I can't really eat the whole meal because I don't want them to see how much I can really eat to make them think I'm going to get fat and do all this thing. And the guy's going, okay, I, I just got to make sure I don't let the gas loose, I don't got to do this, I don't got to make it so where she doesn't want to come through me because I got some noxious smells. And he's going, okay, i got to do this. So they come in there, and they're like, okay, i got to act proper. I can't really show her the bad stuff yet. And she's going, I can't really show him all my fun stuff over here. And you're like, okay. But first dates are like that, are they not? But how do you get real on a first date? You don't. It doesn't happen until the second, the third, the 20th, the 30th. And you're sitting there going, okay, are you really going to show who you are yet? 
I mean, I've seen some people go into a marriage and they still don't want to show who their real self is until the deck second they get done with the wedding vows, they get home and they're going across their threshold and all of a sudden they're like, okay, this is real life. What is going on? It's a struggle. It's something that we all battle with because we want to see the real thing, but we don't want to have to deal with the fake stuff, but yet we're so afraid to show the real stuff. It's kind of like our founding fathers, since it's the 4th of July area, i got to kind of bring them in here. You see, they sent the Declaration of Independence to Great Britain because of all the turmoil they were seeing, all the unfairnesses that were going on, and every aspect. And when they sent it over there, and when we finally got the Constitution, they said, we want to form a more perfect union. We see the disgruntledness. We see the unrealness. We see the struggle within it. But we want to try to make something more perfect. We want to try to see the real stuff going on. We know we're not all the way there yet. We know it's a work in progress. But we want to get to there yet. You see, so many of us, we've struggled in our lives because we're not there yet. We hurt because we're not there yet. We deal with issues because we're not there yet. We're like still doing these first dates all the time with God and with everybody around us thinking that it's proper and it's perfect, but we've got to realize we've got to move on to the thing called the second date. We've got to get into the real meat and the real issues of life to get into the real relationships. Better yet, marriages, even though you might have been married for a long time, there's got to be something in there that keeps you together. It's God. But it's also another word that God spoke into my heart this week. And it's called reason. A reason that you would stay together. A reason why you would endure each other. And I say endure because it's not always pretty. Let me tell you right now, two people living together is not an easy thing. Can you imagine God's reality when he goes and gets you together and he's like, okay, you did this today, you did this today, but I still love you. You're not perfect, but I still love you. There's a reason for that. And something that the Lord laid on my heart this week is that very fact. And if we look at the scripture here, let me make sure I got it right here. It's out of Isaiah 1 and 18. It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Let me say right now, if I stop there, I could preach probably for another 20 hours. Because of the impact that it has when you really think about it. Because God is not asking you to merely just stand by idly and just deal with the issues. He's wanting you to get into something. He's wanting you to dig deep into it. He's wanting you to reason. What is reason? It's, it's really a, a really cool term. It's really just a struggle because reason is the thing that you revisit. It's the thing that exposes why you believe, why you'll stay, why you'll do all these things. It's the thing where you calculate, you formulate, you, you, you try to get through it all and you try to understand the impact that it has. And so the fact that God at some point in the time of history would look at mankind and say, I want you to reason together. Not alone. Together. And when God said those words, and I'm like, God, where are you taking me? What are you wanting me to tell your people today? He says, I want you to tell them it's time to get together and start reasoning something so great. As the scripture goes on, it says, though they, your sins are like scarlet, you shall be as white as snow. And though they are, like, or they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. 
And if you are willing to be obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For, let me make sure I got this right here. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Lord, right now, I just ask that you just take this scripture. I ask that you take the rest of this worship service, Lord. I ask that you take everything that you've had me studying all week long, Lord. All the brokenheartedness, Lord, that I've encountered, Lord. Lord, I ask that let it be the meat that they need to eat, Lord. Let it be the thing that they could chew on this week, Lord. Let it be the thing that, that drives home a real relationship this week, Lord. Because, God, we need you. We need you in everything. So touch us in this service, Lord. You see, we all have hardships. All of us go into understanding that we need something else. For some reason, I, I kind of find it interesting. I always told Melissa, I said, honey, if I could live in a cabin in Alaska by myself, I probably could. I offered to buy her a dry cabin, and she said no. And I said, honey, are you sure you don't want to go to the dry cabin? She says, no. I said, okay. What do you need? She says, I need a toilet. I said, okay. I need running water. I said, okay. I need a hot shower. I said, okay. So you don't want a dry cabin? And she says, no, because I want electricity too. I said, what about Wi-Fi? Yep, I got to have Wi-Fi. I said, okay. Well, there goes my plan of being alone in a cabin out in the woods. But in all reality, I told her, I said, honey, I didn't marry you because I had to. She knows it. I tell her all the time. I said, honey, I married you because God told me to. I can remember the moment that his voice spoke to me and said, you need to marry your wife. You need to, to be resolved in that because she's going to do some great, mighty things alongside of you. And I said, okay, God, I trust you. See, I got a little ahead of myself. One time, she, told, she likes to tell the story. She was 17, no, 16, and she wanted me to go on a dance with her at church. And I said, no, I didn't show up. And then all of a sudden, her heart was broken. And next thing you know is, a couple of years later, we're still friends. We're texting. I show up, and I randomly surprise her. And it's been like a whirlwind effect where we've been married for 14 years, but we've been together for 16. And, and all these wonderful stories about how our ups and downs and the great and mighty things have shown the real relationship of who we are. Because she knows my good, the bad, and the ugly. She knew it all before we got married. Because I'm one that says, you get me as you, I am. I don't care if you like it or not. you got to deal with it if you don't like it. Can I get an amen? Man, you guys are weak this morning. Come on, I need some participation. She looked at me and tried to do the whole makeup thing. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You can do what you want to. I just want to see who you really hard is. That's why I was thankful before I dated her. She was my best friend. That's why I'm thankful that she was able to, to be real with me and not try to be this whole fake self, even though I know there was all this hidden stuff, but she knew I was going to be her ride and die, and it didn't matter, and I was going to be her ride and die, and, 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 and we were just going to be good, and all those aspects. But we all struggle because, you know what? We long for things called relationships. It started in the, in the book of Genesis when God looked at Adam, and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And I'm like, God, Really? It would have been easier if I was alone in a cabin in the woods in Alaska. But I understand that you said it was not good for me to be alone. And so we got into this thing called a relationship. And relationships, let me just say, bring complications. They bring issues. They bring everything. Even our relationship with God on the human side causes complications. God's perfect. God's honest. God's everything. But, but we mess it up. We struggle because of all this flesh. We, we struggle because of all the sin. We struggle because of all the temptations. But God said it is not good for man to be alone. 
And I truly believe there's a desire in all of us that belongs to have a relationship, whether it's with somebody else, like a spouse, or if it's with our families, or it's with our kids, or it's with our Heavenly Father. Yesterday, Brother Sheldon's memorial service, one of the things that touched my heart so much was the fact that as I listened to the families, they said Sheldon was a man that loved his family. He loved the relationships. He, he was not perfect. He had his struggles. But he loved his relationships. And I think that's where we need to understand it. We need to understand that if it's not good for man to be alone, that there's got to be something greater within us, and we need a real relationship. But it comes through a, price, a process and a, and, a, and a difficulty. You see, when God looked at Adam, he didn't say he needed a relationship with no, what did I write down here? Goats. Could you imagine having a relationship with a goat? Meh. How are you doing today? Meh. No. He couldn't understand it. What about a horse? Meh. See, Melissa's uncle, Heath, he, he hates horses. So we send him horse pictures all the time of teeth, and he's like, ugh. So I could, I could imagine Adam not doing that. What about lizards? What about having a friend of a fish? See, my, my, my stepdad, he had this fish. It was an Oscar fish, and he named it Oscar, go, go figure. And he was always going, what's up, buddy, tapping the glass. What's up, how are you today? He'd come home on the weekends, how are you doing, my buddy? You're such a big fish. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? I was like, Dad, you come home on the weekends, and you're over here talking to a fish. But go figure. Melissa, on the other hand, she'd rather have the best friend of being a cat. I mean, you do realize she loves her cats in every aspect. I come home and she's like, oh, look at my pretty baby. And I'm like, honey, God did not make you to have a relationship with a cat. Now, I will say some people have a castaway relationship with a, with a volleyball named Wilson. And they try to have conversations with it. But it shows the need for something so much greater and deeper. We need to have like, like us. We need to have relationship with those that understand us, that can comprehend who we are, the difficulties, the struggles, the, the, the dynamics, but also to develop us. A goat's not going to develop you. A fish isn't going to develop you. A cat will abuse you and use you for the litter box. Let me tell you right now. They can't even open cans. They don't have thumbs. Volleyball doesn't do anything, but a human does. Let me tell you, even better yet, God does. God understands every aspect of you. And what I find is that when we get together and we do what the re says, which is reason, we understand that there is depths within us. Relationships have so much within us. We have levels of relationships. We have marriages. Marriages are things that provide such great things like love, protection, connection, and so much more. Friendships combine commonalities, uh, companionships, a sense of uh, belonging and purpose. Co-workers bring proximity and, and teamwork building together in productivity. But God, He brings peace, purpose, and power. And the heavenly purpose that He gives us is love, family, and truly a connection. You see, our struggle is that our life is because we look for the purpose that we're dealing with and we mess it up and we get our real relationships all just completely out of whack. You see, I find it interesting that most of us struggle because... We haven't reasoned properly the order of proper relationships in our lives. So often we mix them up into different groups and relationships and people in our lives, and it's because of the issue where we put encounters more. What I'm meaning is we struggle with real relationships 
is because we confuse them and conflict and letting people that should never be in a segment of your relationship to come into it, and it causes so much harm. If we allow friendships to do what marriages are meant for, can you imagine the issues? Friendships with benefits, adultery and all that stuff, they're not going to make anything perfect. They're going to cause complications. I found that people that are friends are like, okay, we're going to be friends, we're going to do everything married people do, and then all of a sudden, you see the longing and the disconnection, we see the hurt and the struggles, and we see the dysfunction that comes from it. We see that there's not real good fruit from it. See, a marriage means that you've said, I will do, and I will be with you till death do us part. Friendship says, I'll do whatever I want to until you're done with you. And there's a dysfunction within that real relationship, but we have to reason together to understand the dynamics of it. What if we allow friendships to take place of God? Oh, that's a bad one. Where they're like, okay, you don't got to go to church today because, well, we got a party on Saturday night and it's not going to get done and we're going to get so drunk and we're going to do whatever and, and you're just not going to want to go to church. They take place to God. Or, or you don't need to read your Bible today. Let's go over here and watch this movie or listen to this music and let it just, just fill your mind and make you so transparently changed. I've heard people say that stuff. And I'm like, you don't realize that's what's wrong with the world. We've allowed people to, to take God and put him in the wrong part of the relationship and put, him on, put people and things in wrong places and they become gods in our own eyes and they stray, or stray us or struggle and stray us away from who God truly is and the true ability to transform who we are. It's a hurt. It's an issue. Better yet, here's another one, and this one's not always a bad thing, but when we allow co-workers to get into the friendship belt, people that were never meant, or never were going to be able to edify you like a true friendship is, that's a co-worker that comes in and causes so much chaos. I've seen so many relationships that allowed co-workers that, that have no purpose or plan in there outside of they are good at doing what they are doing, you're good at meeting up and connecting and doing the job, but they were never meant to have a good relationship because they come completely divided and they cause so much issues that it causes so much of a rift in everybody's lives. It's called dysfunction for a reason. But what God is telling us to say is that we need to reason together real relationships and expose the real truth within what God had set in order. You see, marriages exist to have one spouse with a person and to love them until death do us part. doesn't matter the struggles. I'm not saying if you had a divorce, you're wrong. What I'm saying is it's time that we take our new hearts and reason together and say, I want to live in God's order and God's plan, and I want to live how God says. I want to have a real relationship. I don't want to have friends with benefits. I don't want to go looking for something in the wrong place when my wife's at home. I want to live my life dedicated to the proper order. I want to reason together the proper ways. I want to really, truly hold on to it. I want to also see friendships exist that give me value, that show me a sense of belonging, and grow me even greater to be better than I once was. You see, when I was a kid, I had friends. I'm an intellectual. I'm very intellectual. I'm very smart and all those, but I had friends that wanted to get me drugged down and doing all this stuff, and what did I find myself in? I found myself into drugs. I got into the wrong friendships and it deterred me and it caused so much issues within me because I feel like I lost five years of my life to being into the stupid stuff. 
And what I'm saying is God's got a proper order, and he puts friendships in our lives to bring us up and not us down. And better yet, my faith in God exists because I was created to know who God is, and better yet, to be known by God. Let me let that sink in for a second. Our relationship with God was always developed to be a two-way street. God knows every bit about you. He knows everything about your story. He even knows when your heart's going to stop and this time is over. But he says, I even know all those details, but I still want you to know who I am. I didn't just create you to be some some puppet that goes through it. I want to have a relationship with you, a real relationship with you, a proper one, but one in proper placement. And that's the struggle. We get into this world. We get all discombobulated in every aspect. We lose our heads every which way we go because we're like, okay, God, what is going on? It's like when we have the struggles, when we start having hurts, when we start having all the things that would cause us to go left and right and distractions. But what God is saying is, I want you to put me in the proper place at all times. That's why I love it that he spoke through Isaiah in a time of Israel and and Judea's time when they needed to take a moment and take a breath and really focus on who God was. That's why in Isaiah 1 and 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, for your sins are like scarlet, but they shall be as white as snow. Though they are, like, they are red like Clemson, they shall be like wool. But here's, here's the if. If you are willing to be obedient and eat of the good fruit of the land, the proper ways, the proper things, the proper way of God's ways, what we'll find is a true blessing within it. If you, uh, you, if you are obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you take things and refuse and rebel, take things out of order, you shall be eaten by the sword. And the scariest words imaginable comes out and he says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, our purpose is to understand and worship God. It's to come and to serve him. It's to, to have so much more. See, Israel struggled because they kept going up and down the roller coaster. Hot for God, cold for God. Hot for God, cold for God. Man, I wish I had cups that just mixed it together. You'd see it turn purple. But we know in Revelation it says, I wish you were either rather hot or cold. But you're lukewarm, and I'd rather spit that out too. Church. God's trying to tell us something about our relationships that have to be in order. We can either be hot for God one minute or cold for God one minute, but you've got to choose because one of those is not one minute. It's got to be eternal. It's got to be lifelong. Either you're good for God in all moments. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or ugly. It's why I love Psalms 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Surely your goodness and mercies will follow me all the days of my life. See, we've been walking this journey all this life. The world's been walking this journey going, we're so good, we're so good. We have pride, we have this, we have that, but we're so good. And they're going, we're so perfect. And they don't realize that they're walking through a valley of the shadow of death and God's not with them because they've not walked in the proper obedience and order of who he is. They're not reaching out for his righteous right hand that says, though you fall, I will lift you back up. Though you do this, though you do that, I am still God and I'm going to protect you and I want to mentor you and I want to have a relationship with you. But church, even in the church we struggle. 
Even in our homes we struggle. Even in everyday moments we struggle. That's why the Lord's been checking my heart about can't fix stupid. I already know I can't fix everybody. I know Jesus is the answer. That's why when my kids always ask me, Dad, I have a question. First thing I shout off to them, it's probably the worst thing. I said, but Jesus is the answer. They're like, yeah, Dad, I know. I said, yeah, I know. But what's your question? And then they do it, and I said, Jesus. And they're like, Dad, give me the real answer. Jesus. And and then I really just get into it. But I'm trying to teach my kids that Jesus is always going to be the thing that we need in everyday life. I'm trying to teach them the proper order of a real relationship. I'm trying to reason together who God is and why we need him. Because it's when we have him as our true reason and we really understand of his dynamic of what he's trying to do, we'll understand that he's speaking to the church today. Just like he was in Isaiah when King Hezekiah was still king and King Hezekiah was a good king, but they were starting to fall away and starting to worship false gods again. And he said, it's time to finally wake up. You don't realize Babylon's at your doorstep and you could have a moment if you would just reason together. If you would just reason together how good I am. If you would just reason together the proper relationships that you carry. Church, if we would just reason together the goodnesses of God in our life and and reason together how he's trying to move in our lives, how he's trying to change in our lives, yes, it's not going to be roses. Yes, it's not going to be an instant. Aha! Healed. Perfect. Everything's great. Yellow brick road. Fa-la-la-la-la-la. And all that other stuff. No, he says, even in the valley, reason together. On the mountaintop, reason together. Whether you're doing good, reason together. Whether you're doing bad, reason together. It's time to start reasoning who God is in everyday life. The real relationship we need is always going to be rooted in the reasoning of who God is. I'm not afraid to be me because I've reasoned together who God is. I'm not always perfect. I know it. I'm reasoning that pretty well, too. I got ups and downs. I got hit bad issues and struggles. I apparently look good in a bow tie. I guess. I don't know. People keep saying that. So I got to reason together with that, too. But I feel that the church needs to reason together so we can understand the dynamic of what God is saying. He's saying if you'll reason together, it doesn't matter the bad. As long as you put it under Jesus' blood, it's forgiven. It doesn't matter what you identify as. As long as you put it and reason it together with what God identifies you as. It doesn't matter who you want to be. Ask God who you are and let him show you who he designs you to be because he knows you better than you even know yourself. Reason it together. You see, it's only when we start reasoning the impact of who God is that we can truly understand ourselves. It's only when we can truly understand who God has called us to be, to be the purpose that he's calling us to to be fulfilling. I was called to marry my wife. I reasoned that a long time ago. I was called to be a pastor, even though I tried to reason myself out of that. I was called to do all of it with my five daughters. I'm still trying to reason that out. But my question is, what is it that you've reasoned out with God? What is it that you've reasoned out? 
Have you asked God, God, what's going on today? God, I invite you into this part of my life today. God, have your way in my life today. You see, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, it says, our God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. Thy, uh, thy will be done. Thy, uh, I can't even think of it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, give us this day our daily bread and, and help us to forgive those who trespass and all this stuff. I, my brain is fried. But what he's saying is, nonetheless, thy will be done thy, on earth as it is in heaven. You see, our hearts have to reason together that if God is for us, who could be against us? If God is with us, what can hurt us? If God's going to be guiding us, his purpose is better than mine. I had to reason that together. I'd rather be a nurse. It, made, it pays better. Let me just be honest with you. It pays better. But I reasoned a long time ago that said when God says go, go. Who God says speak to, I speak to. Trust me, it gets me into some really interesting conversations when God says, you've got to go talk to this person. And I'm like, God, are you really sure? I don't know what to do with this one, okay. But we'll do it. But I've seen the transformation of what God does. See, if we reason together, he says that we'll get to eat of the good of the land. He says that we'll get to eat the good of the land. Let me tell you, the good of the land does a lot for us. One, I already know. I was talking to Tyler the other day about health loss and all this stuff because I know I'm fat. The bathroom scale says I need to eat better. And I'm like, okay, i got to start eating a salad. And so what did she see me eat at the, at the thing yesterday? A salad. You didn't eat the, see the other five plates of spaghetti, but. <laughs> Thank you. But anyway, what I, what I found is, is when we start doing it, we see the other impact of what the re of relationship does. See, a real relationship has the ability to repair. It has the ability to repair who, all the damaged stuff within us. You see, when we let God come in and we let him minister within us, we start learning that the bad stuff that we always thought was proper, and he's like, no, that's not really right. That's, that's not who you're really supposed to be. I'm going to repair the stuff that's in you, the damaged stuff, all the hurt that you've been carrying. I'm going to repair that. All the hurt, all the, all the, the naysayers of whatever they said, I'm going to repair all the broken relationships that you've had. If you'll let me get into the middle of it, I'll repair it. All the hurts you've done, I'm going to let you see me repair it. See, that's the impact of a real relationship with us, what we have to pursue. It's going to repair us. It's like when you get into a, a, a good marriage, you start seeing how the spouses, they want to try to fix each other, but they don't realize it's not about fixing. It's about lifting them up and letting the repair of the Heavenly Father come down into the middle of it. That's why when me and Melissa ever counsel anybody for marriage counseling, get ready, we show you a triangle. Let me say, a triangle. One corner is you, one part is your spouse. The top part is always going to be God. And as you get closer, God's going to repair it and bring you closer together. Because like what Psalms 141 and 3 says, he says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up the wounds. See, we need to understand the impact of who God is and have that real relationship and reason together the truth of what he's trying to expose in our hearts and our minds. Better yet, we all know this scripture, John 10 and 10. says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Let me tell you, I know we always equate that to the devil. But the devil's got some pretty good minions on this world. The devil's got a lot of good people in there trying to mess everything up and trying to mess up the real relationships. 
There are always going to be people that are going to try to say, your marriage is never good. There's always going to be people that says, y'all, you shouldn't do this. No, no. They, they try to get in the way of just causing this dysfunction. But we always got to understand that whenever that comes into it, whenever it comes out and tries to disrupt the proper order of what God's placed in our lives and disrupt the real relationship, they're coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But we always, always have that back end hope. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. See, our real relationships are always going to have the power to give us an encouragement. It's always going to have the ability to lift us up. It's always going to have the ability to, even when we don't have money in the bank account, even when we're fighting left and right, even when we're struggling with, with indifferences, that he says you can have life and life more abundantly. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will give you life and life more abundantly. Even though you think it's going to fall apart, you get ready because the abundance is going to come. But you've got to put it in the proper order. You've got to reason together the proper way of doing things. If we do not have reason, then we get dysfunction. Church, that's the biggest thing that God has been speaking to my spirit. Trust me, I wanted to go in five other directions. But he says, you've got to speak reason. That's why when Paul, every time he went into a new city and tried to preach God, it always says, and he reasoned with them. He reasoned them with why Jesus is the answer. He reasoned with them. It's time for us to look at each other and start truly being real. Start truly reasoning why we believe what we believe. Why do we hold on to Christ so tightly? Because he lived, he bled, he raised it from the dead again, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He did all of it. He fulfilled all this, the prophecies in the Old Testament and in accordance because he is God among us. He is truly Emmanuel. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we do all these things? Why? Because we have to reason together the good and perfectness that God is in our lives. And if we do that, then we can stand all the fiery darts of the enemy. Then we can understand why the dysfunctions in our relationships. Then we can understand why we're called to be real. But it's the hardships. It's the hurt. It's the disgruntledness. It's the flesh that wants to cause us to go the other route. But church, I'm asking you, will you reason together the goodness? Will you reason together that you might not know it all? That God's got some more to teach you. Will you reason together and understand that this journey is still not over yet? Will you reason together that says that you are called according to his purpose? To be the light that cannot be hidden. Will you reason together with, to say that whatever God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's only when we do those things that we can see the proper order that comes into play. If you'll stand with me this morning. I'm going to do this every service. If you've never accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior today, and you feel him tugging at your, whole, your, your heart and saying, I need you to accept me. I want to set you free. I want to give you purpose. I want to give you a real relationship. And if that's you and you want to get him in your life, just raise your hand. We're going to say a prayer with you real quick. If that's you online this morning, if you've had that issue, please just let us know. And we're going to pray with you in a minute, but we want to also connect with you afterwards. Just send us a, a, an email, send us a, a text message, whatever. Is there anybody? Okay. Let me ask you this other question then. 
Have you been struggling to have the real relationship with God and not been reasoning together why you've been faltering left and right? Excuse me. But you really want Him to connect with you. If that's you, raise your hand. See Him all over that room. See, there's a reason why God says reason together. Because it has the power to equip us for so much more. It has the power to strengthen with us. It has the power to truly have a real relationship with Him. So, Father God, Lord, right now we ask that you just touch those that raise their hand, that they wanted to have a real relationship, Lord. Lord, open up the doors for their minds to reason with other like-minded believers, Lord, so that they could understand who you are. Let them be encouraged that iron sharpens iron. When we get together and we start talking about your goodnesses and your mercy, Father, that we can see lives transformed. We can see hope restored. We can see marriages go from divorce almost to perfect, pristine marriage, Father God. We can see relationships get put in proper order. But God, we need to reason together your mercy, your goodness, your grace. God, we need you to do that in our lives. Touch us all, Lord. Let us get together. Let us open up our word, Lord, and let your Holy Spirit come down and minister to us as we read your word. Let it come alive to us so that we can understand your purpose for us. Because, God, you said that we were all formed and, and known, known about us, Lord, in our mother's womb, that we were all created with a purpose. But we struggle to find it. But God, that's going to only be exposed through the real relationship that we have with you. With your Holy Spirit moving inside of us, Lord. With, with us re reconciling ourselves through the blood of Jesus, Father. But God, we need you. Lord, touch us, Lord, in this day, Lord. Touch us as we get ready to go and celebrate with our families our independence. But let us also remember, Lord, that our independence was only given to us because we reasoned together the goodness that we needed from you. That all were created with certain unalienable rights, Lord, that you gave us. God, let us see that truth in our lives, Lord, as we reason together the goodnesses and the graciousness and the good gifts, Lord, that you've given us because you formed us. God, touch us, Lord, in this place. Touch us as we go home. And Jesus, we praise you for what you're doing. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Amen. Church, I love every single one of you. Go and enjoy some fireworks. Go and enjoy some barbecue. Go and get me a hamburger. I'm just joking. <laughs> but go and just enjoy time. It's time to really enjoy our real relationships with those that are with us. Enjoy it because you know what? That's going to change the world around us. So we love you guys. Go and be the church. We'll see you guys next week.